As we go to open God's word together, let's ask him to bless it to us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, let us hear of your steadfast love in Christ, for in you we trust, and make us know the way that we should go, for to you we lift up our souls. Deliver us from our enemies, for we have fled to you for refuge, and teach us to do your will, for you are our God. Let your good spirit lead us on level ground. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 29. We're just going to read one verse together, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Uh, it's on page 218 in many of our pew Bibles. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible between Numbers and Joshua. And we want to consider Deuteronomy 29, 29 in connection with the will of God. Make sure I give everyone time to get there, because if I don't give you time to get there, I'll be done reading it before you find it. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, this is God's own word. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Uh, Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Um, We're encountering a very important topic as we think about the Lord's Prayer this evening. What do we mean when we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Um, Have you ever asked that question, what is God's will for your life? Um, I thought about making that the title of our sermon. I thought maybe after a long fellowship afternoon, it might might prompt you to come back to here uh, to try to figure out what is God's will for my life. Um, but I wasn't sufficiently creative to do that. Um, And I thought we need to ask that question. We need the answers to that question from time to time. Um, Particularly young people, I think, struggle with a lot of these kinds of questions. Um, What is God's will for my life? Uh, Where should I go to school? What should I study? Who should I marry? What kind of job should I look for? What should I do with my life? Uh, We can have those kinds of things. Um, I hate to break it to some of you young people. It doesn't end when you get older. You still will, st- will ask the question, what is God's will for my life? And that can change different, for different times and different places in your life too, can't it? Uh, when you get to certain points in life where you think, is this the last job I'm going to consider taking before I retire? Um, when will it be time for me to retire? What will I do when I retire? Um, we can have different stages in life where that question still comes to us, um, and we need to think about this as Christians, how do we begin to answer that question for us? And really, to answer that question, we have to understand something fundamental about the will of God. Uh, Just like we said, you know, if we want to pray, thy kingdom come, and we don't know what the kingdom is, it's going to be hard for us to pray that prayer meaningfully. That's why we spent time thinking about the kingdom. And similarly, if we don't know what the will of God is or how the scripture teaches us the will of God, it's going to be very hard for us to answer that kind of question. Uh, We need to understand something about the will of God. And thankfully, Jesus gives us a prayer that helps us to understand and a word that helps us to understand what it means to pray, thy will be done. What we are doing and how we think about the will of God. Um, Not praying just that God's will would be done, but more fully that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
um, that God's will would be done in that way. And so we want to think about that. And I thought Deuteronomy 29.29 would be a helpful way to think about it. Um, It's been called one of John Calvin's favorite verses because it comes up so often in his writing. Um, It's probably not his favorite verse. Um, I don't know how you can make that conclusion either way, but um, I think there are other verses that maybe indicate that he um, might have preferred John 17. Uh, This is eternal life that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Um, But this might be up there. Maybe it's in his top five. Um, Whether that means anything to us, I don't know. But um, it's an important verse because I think it gets at this question of the will of God by reminding us there are things that are hidden from us. Right? It's important when Moses tells the people of God, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And so I think this is a helpful starting point for thinking about the will of God and thinking about God's will to remind us that there are parts of God's will that are hidden. And that's the first thing we want to think about, God's will hidden. And then there are parts of God's law and God's will that have been revealed. So we want to think about God's will revealed. And then we see that it's revealed so that we'll be obeyed. And so we want to think about God's will obeyed. And that's how we want to think about our text from Deuteronomy 29, 29. God's will hidden, God's will revealed, and God's will obeyed. It's maybe something of our nature that if you say there are secret things that we say, ooh, I'd like to know what the secret things are. What are the secret things? Um, It was interesting, I read a comment this week by Meredith Klein on Deuteronomy 29, 29, and he made the comment that this is exactly what what got Adam and Eve in trouble in the garden. Was the devil came to them and said, there's something you don't know about the will of God. There's a secret that you don't know. And I'm going to tell you what the secret is. God doesn't want you to eat of the tree because he knows if you eat of the tree, you'll become like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. Um, That the devil has been using secrets uh, to entice us into saying, oh, I want to know the secret. What's the secret? Um, And that's where we confront that biblical principle that curiosity killed the cat. Um, You know, it's a dangerous thing to get into things that are not for us. And so it's important for us to acknowledge there are parts of God's will that are hidden from us. There are secret things, things that he has not told us. And when we think about those things, sometimes we, in theological terms, will call that God's decreed will. The things that God has purposed to do in himself for his people, that he's purposed to do from the beginning of time to the end of it, but he has not revealed all of it to us. We understand that everything that happens is happening under the sovereign direction of our God. There are some magnificent passages in Scripture that talk about who our God is and what he does. Uh, In Daniel 4.35, Daniel reflects that he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? God does what he will. Uh, Psalm 115, celebrating the greatness of our God, says in verse 3, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Uh, That idea is carried forward also in Psalm 135, 
verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and the deeps. Um, God has ordained everything. God is sovereign over everything. Everything that happens, happens according to what he has appointed. He has decreed what happens in the world. Um, The things that happen are under his command. Job recognized that in Job 12.10. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Uh, God is in control of whatever happens in this world. Uh, The Bible tells us that God is in control of things when they happen. Um, The timing is all God's control. Uh, The psalmist celebrates that in Psalm 139, 16. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Uh, God has decreed the end from the beginning, the Bible tells us. We know everything that happens happens according to the timing that God has set for it. And we know something of why those things happen. Why generally do things happen for the people of God in particular? Uh, Well, we hold as really precious truth, the truth that's communicated in Romans 8, 29, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Why does God do things? He does them for our good. Uh, That's why God does things for his people. He also does them for his glory. Paul celebrates that in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Why does God do things for our good? Why does God do things for the praise of his glorious grace, for his glory? Uh, That's why God does things. So we can acknowledge that everything that happens happens from God. We can acknowledge that he's in control of the timing. We can acknowledge that we understand certain things about why he does what he does. But we also have to acknowledge that even when we say those things, we know that they don't solve or answer all of our questions. To say those things is to confess scriptural truth. To live with those things can be much more difficult. Um, Because we know that what happens happens according to God's will, that means that sometimes inactivity is hard for us to understand. We know that God has decreed everything, so why does God then not act and do the things that we think he should do? Unless you think that's a an unbiblical way of thinking, that's a question that's raised often in the Psalms. God, why are you inactive? Why are you not showing up where your people need you? It's put in very stark terms at times in the Psalms. Psalm 10 asks the question this way, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Sometimes we know that God is active in everything, but we don't know why he's inactive at this particular moment. Sometimes his inactivity is troubling to us or puzzling to us. Uh, Sometimes it's his activity that's troubling to us. Sometimes we're troubled because he doesn't act. Sometimes we're troubled by what he does. 
Right? Again, Daniel says in Daniel 2, 20 and 21, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Um, that's a glorious truth. Um, but what about when God changes a season of blessing into a season of difficulty? Uh, what, what, what happens when a season of happiness is changed into a season of trial? What happens when good kings or good leaders go away and they're replaced by bums? What do, what do we say then? Why is God active in those ways? We can be baffled by what God does. Right? It can be hard for us to say, I know he does things for good and I know he does things for, for his glory, but what he's doing here I don't understand. That's hard. It can be hard for us to understand when God does things. Not just what he does, but when he does it can be difficult for us. Um, Why does a godly saint get taken home to glory in the pride of life? uh, In the prime of life, I should say. um, When everything seems to be going well, what is God's purpose in doing that? Why does he act then? Sometimes God seems to act too soon. Sometimes God can seem to act too late thinking a lot about conversations we've had with Lucille Brockmuller over the years. And when you would meet her at you know, 101 years old, uh, she would sometimes say, I don't know what the Lord has me doing here. Um, I'm 101 years old. I'm ready to go home. I don't know why I'm still here. Um, you, know, you know, I've heard of older saints in nursing homes and things saying things like, I feel like God has forgotten me. I feel like he should be calling me home, and he isn't. So I feel like I've been overlooked, like I'm in the waiting room waiting for him, and he's just forgotten to call my name. Um, Sometimes it seems like God acts too soon. Sometimes it seems like God acts too late. Um, And sometimes the why that he's doing things is very difficult for us. We can hold up. He does all things for his good and for his glory for our good and for his glory. Um, but it's hard sometimes for us to reconcile what we see. We have trouble because we say, I can't figure out how this is possibly for my good or how this is possibly for your glory. Uh, the why can be very difficult. Why does God let this hardship visit our family? Why does God allow what he's allowing in the Middle East right now? How is that for anyone's good How is that for his glory? Uh, The why can be very difficult. Um, And sometimes what we say is, I want to know the secret. I want to know the secret. I don't want these things to be hidden. I want them to be revealed. Um, And it's exactly in those moments of difficulty where we are up against the things we cannot know that it's particularly appropriate to pray this prayer. Thy will be done. Because one of the difficulties is we don't know why. We only know who. Right? There are times where we don't know why things are happening, but we know who is doing them. And so it can be a tremendous help to us to pray this prayer of trust to God. 
That's what's encouraging to me about the Psalms, is they're filled with the kinds of prayer requests we would almost not dare to make. I don't know that we would dare to pray sometimes. Why are you hiding yourself when there's trouble? That seems like a bridge too far for most of us in prayer uh, to say, and it's wonderful the Holy Spirit gives us words like that. Why are you standing there with your hands in your pockets, not doing anything when we need your help? We're, we're welcome to bring that prayer, but I think we're also encouraged by our Lord to come around to say, we don't know always these things, and they're hidden from us. These are secrets that will not be revealed to us. They're secrets that we cannot work out or fathom on our own, and that should drive us to pray, thy will be done. It's really a prayer of trust when it comes to the things that are hidden from us. To recognize that we serve a God who knows what he's doing, even when we can't seem to figure it out. It's a prayer of trust to pray to God that even when we don't understand what he's doing or when he's doing it or why he's doing it, to understand who it is who's doing it and then to pray thy will be done. We, we have to recognize our limitations There are secret things. If you thought I was setting all this up to give you all the answers, um, you have it wrong. There There are hidden things, things that are not revealed to us. But we know who God is. And that's our ultimate trust. Who is the person to whom we're praying, thy will be done? It's the person we've already addressed in our prayer as our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who's made us know that He loves us. That He loved us so much that He sent His Son into the world to die for our sins. It's really a prayer of trust to trust ourselves to the will of God. It's the kind of trust our Lord not only taught us in teaching us to pray this way, but showed us an example by living this in in His own life. In really trying times. This was his prayer, thy will be done. We see that when our Lord is is contemplating the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. How does he pray? In Matthew 26, verse 39, he says, we read, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If it's possible, let it pass. And then what does he say later? We're told that again for the second time in verse 42 of Matthew 26. He went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. If possible, take it from me. That was his first prayer. But your will be done. And then what, is, what was his second prayer? If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He continued to lift up his prayers to the Father in those ways. And we're told he went away again and said the same words. If this cannot pass unless I drink it, thy will be done. Uh, Luke recounts the Lord saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet nevertheless not my will but yours be done. Um, 
our Lord not only taught us to live like this, He lived like this. He showed us this example of faith and trust in His Father's will. And He wants us to do the same. He knew who He was praying to. He knew His Father's will was good. And He was willing to submit Himself to His Father's will. And He's teaching us to pray that same will, that same way. Father, do whatever you've willed, whenever you've willed it, for the reasons you've willed it. And we don't pray that prayer fatalistically. It's one of the favorite phrases of our age. It is what it is. Um, Which, if you're any kind of rhetorician or logician, drives you crazy. Because that's a tautological statement. It always is what it is. That offers no helpful information. Uh, that's just a free piece of information for you. But um, we, we like to say that, right? It's just, it is what it is. Um, it's kind of like, que sera, sera. What will be, will be. We don't pray that fatalistically. We don't just say, well, you know, it is what it is. No, the prayer of faith says, we know you are who you are. We know you are our loving Heavenly Father. We know you sent your Son into the world to save us. We know that you love us and we know that you are good. One of my favorite phrases, which I think is taken from Psalm 145, but was the person who said, God is too wise to err and too good to be unkind. God is too wise to err and he's too good to be unkind. He doesn't make mistakes because he's too wise for that. And he doesn't do unkind things to his people because he's too good for that. We know that about him, even when the secret things stay secret. And so what do we need help with? We need help to renounce our own wills, to not think that we know better than God knows. That's one of the great things about our Lord. He did not battle with the will of his Father the way we battle with the will of God. Um, He submitted to it. We need help to renounce our wills. And if we're honest, we know that his will is a lot better than our wills anyway. Um, If we're honest, and we're not always honest with ourselves. But his will alone is good. And it's a prayer of trust in who God is when we say, don't give me what I want according to my will. Give me what I need according to your will. Thy will be done. And help me to accept your will without any back talk. Help me to accept it and obey it without any back talk. Um, That's a really hard thing to do. But there are some amazing prayers in the Bible when people do that, are willing to pray that and to accept whatever that means. Um, Think about when Job's wife is encouraging him to curse God and die. How does Job respond? He says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we're told that in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. That's a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of submission to the will of God. 
Or you might remember Eli when Samuel has heard the voice of the Lord calling and as a little boy has been told this terrible word of judgment on Eli's household. And Eli says to him, tell me what the Lord said to you. And Samuel understandably does not really want to, as a little boy, tell him exactly what the Lord has said to him. But he puts him under oath to tell him exactly what the Lord has said. And Samuel tells him that word of judgment that's been pronounced on Eli's house, that he's going to destroy it forever for their iniquity. And Eli says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. That's a prayer of faith. Uh, David prays that same way in 2 Samuel 15, 25 to 26, when he's fleeing from Jerusalem and from Absalom's rebellion, the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. That's someone who trusted the Lord and trusted in the goodness of the Lord and said, let, let him do what seems good to him. Oh, that's a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of trust um, for those hidden things. But they're not all hidden things, right? The Lord does not just hide his will from his people. He also reveals his will to his people. The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. There are things that are revealed to the people of God. There are things that God decrees that he does not reveal to us, but there are decrees that he does reveal to us um, in order that we would do what with them. The hidden things belong to the Lord our God. The revealed things belong to us and to our children forever so that we may walk, so that we may do all the words of this law so that we might walk with him. Um, God reveals to us what he wants us to do. Um, that's why sometimes when someone says, you know, what is, what is God's will for my life? If I have a good relationship with them and they won't take it wrong, I say, I'll tell you. There are two things God wants you to do with your life. Everyone loves to hear that because everyone wants instruction. What are the two things God wants you to do with your life? He wants you to love him with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. That's God's will for your life. Or if you want to put it another way, it's still two. Repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. That's God's will for your life. Um, the point there is God has revealed in his word what he wants us to do. His word is sufficient to tell us everything we know for what we're to believe and how we're to live. He's given it to us so that we might do those things. He's given us a word that makes his promises clear and makes his requirements clear. Um, he doesn't ask us to do the things that he doesn't reveal to us. He's not the kind of God that says, you have to follow a secret path, and if you get it wrong, you're just going to wander away lost forever. Um, sort of like you know, when the troop in The Hobbit is going through Mirkwood, and they're told, if you leave the path, you'll never find it again. And what do they do? They leave the path and they get lost. They were warned, don't leave the path, you'll never find it again. And sometimes people feel like that's how the will of God operates. I have to follow the path and there's this danger that one day I'll step off it and I'll be like those people. I'll just never find it again. 
I'm walking outside of the... God is not doing these kinds of things to us. What does he specifically say here? I've revealed to you what needs to be done. I've not hidden these things from you. I've revealed these things to you so that you and your children can walk with me, can do the things I've called you to do. That's why we can pray the prayer we prayed tonight from Psalm 143 before we open God's word, that he would teach it to us, that he would make us know it, that we would have the understanding to hear it and to obey it. We need help doing his will. That's also part of what we're praying when we pray, thy will be done. Not just to accept your will, but where you've revealed your will to us to do what you've called us to do. Help us to do what you've called us to do. Because we're hindered in many ways from doing that. The world interferes with what God's called us to do. The devil interferes with what God has called us to do. We have our own sinful selves that interfere with what God's called us to do. We need help if we're to walk according to the way God wants us to walk. And what we need to understand about God's revealed will is that he's promised to help us in our insufficiency. That's not something that God has made a secret of. We don't pray, help me, give me grace, give me a measure of your spirit, as if we're not sure whether he will. Because his revealed will says to us, I will give to those who ask. That those who seek, find. And to those who knock, it will be opened. That's the promise he makes to his people. He promises in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God will be at work in his people. And that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. He's revealed us to his word what he wants us to believe and how he wants to live in response. Even as Moses is referring to the Old Testament law, even the Old Testament law reminded God's people first of who he was and who he was for them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This is not the law of some God you don't know who's great and unapproachable. This is a God who's a redeemer who showed his great love and making a covenant and remembering that covenant when his people called and redeeming them out of the darkness of slavery. It's a redeemer God that commands these things. We know who he is and we know what he's called us to do so that we would obey the law he's given to us. This was the commission of the old covenant and it's very similar to the commission of the new covenant. Right? that you would walk in all of these things. What did Jesus say in his great commission in Matthew 28, 18? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have triumphed. I have conquered as the redeemer. As king, I have all authority. And so what are they to do? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You might do all the words of this law. Do all the things that I've commanded you. And remind them that surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How important is that for disciples? To know that God is with us 
and will not leave us or forsake us. John Calvin said, God is the best master to all who come to him as disciples because he faithfully and clearly explains to them all that is useful for them to know. And this text in Deuteronomy reminds us also that the law was not only given that God's people might know what is right, but that they might do all that God had taught. We need his help to know, and we need his help to do. That's what we are praying when we pray, thy will be done. Because we want to serve God's will. We want God's will to be obeyed. And Jesus really enlarges that commandment when he says, you pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How often do we pause and really meditate on that? about how God wants his will obeyed. Uh, It's an interesting thing for Jesus to command his disciples. Jesus is in somewhat a unique position to know how servants in heaven obey. Having come as a man from heaven, uh, he can testify to how those in heaven obey the will of God. So this is the enlargement of the commandment. How does God want his will obeyed? He reveals his will to us so that it's obeyed in a particular way. Help us to submit to your decrees and obey your commands and help us to do these things on earth as they are done in heaven. Right? Help everyone to carry out his, we could add, or her office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Um, how do the angels in heaven obey the will of God? Have you ever thought about that? We pray that all the time. Um, we pray that so often, I wonder if we really pause and reflect, how do, how do the angels in heaven obey the will of God? How do those in heaven obey the will of God? I like how one person said, you know, everyone in heaven has either always been perfect or has now been made perfect. Um, so how do they obey? They obey perfectly. If you didn't know that's how we were going, that's where we're going. They obey perfectly. There's a quality to the obedience that we see in heaven that is really glorious. Um, Think of the four living creatures that Ezekiel sees in chapter 1 of Ezekiel. It's in many ways a very perplexing passage. Maybe it's not anyone's life verse because it's the kind of chapter you read and say, I don't know what's going on here. Um, But one of the things you see very clearly is how the angels obey the will of God. What do the four living creatures do? We're told twice in Ezekiel 1, 9 and 12, each each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. They go without turning. They go with singleness of purpose, straight forward, doing the things that God has called them to do without turning. Isn't that a glorious description of how the angels serve? With singleness of purpose. And we're told in Ezekiel 1.14, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. They move with a singleness of purpose and with speed. They really want to do the will of God. And it's the wonderful thing that we read when Daniel is reading his Bible and meditating on God's word, and he figures out that, you know, God said we'd be in exile for 70 years, and then if we prayed, he would relent and show mercy on us. 
And Daniel checks his calendar and says, you know, it's been 70 years. I'm going to pray and ask God to relent. And there's an angel that comes and answers. It's a great prayer of confession. And the angel comes and the angel tells him, you know, when you began to pray, I was given a message to come to you. You weren't even done praying before a message was sent. And I'm here to tell you what the message is. How does he fulfill that calling? It's with a singleness of purpose without turning to the right or left and with great speed, eager to do the will of God. That's a wonderful thing. And it's wonderful to think that the servants in heaven serve God in that way, even though there are still parts of his will that are hidden from them. There are still things in heaven that his, that his servants don't know. Think of that vision in Revelation 6 of of the martyrs underneath the altar. And what did they say? They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Why are they asking that question? It's hidden from them. They don't know. And so they're asking. And they're told to wait a little while longer. Peter tells us that even the angels in heaven don't know fully the will of God. He refers to things into which the angels long to look in 1 Peter 1.12. But it doesn't change the fact that they obey the Lord. And they obey the Lord without turning. And they obey the Lord without going to the right or to the left. They go straight forward and they do his will in all things. And what is our prayer? That we would do God's will that perfectly without turning, just going straight forward and doing what God has told us to do according to our callings. And in that sense, what all of these petitions are making us do as we begin the Lord's Prayer is to recognize that none of these things can be fully accomplished until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Will we ever be able to stop praying the third request of the Lord's Prayer? Will we ever be able to say, I think I've done God's will as perfectly on earth as it is done in heaven. I don't think I need to pray this prayer anymore. No, we'll always need to pray this prayer. So this prayer, too, is really a prayer for the Lord Jesus Christ to come. All of these prayers, requests that we've considered so far is really a prayer, come Lord Jesus. Father, hallow your name Glorify your name. When will it be glorified? When Jesus comes. Your kingdom come. When will his kingdom come fully? When Jesus comes. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When will that happen? When Jesus comes. All these prayers are really ultimately looking for that great day of hope. When the Father's name will be glorified in his Son when his kingdom will come fully and he will be all in all, and when his will will be done in the new heavens and the new earth as it's done now in heaven. What a day that will be. And how earnestly do we need to pray that prayer, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for the way our Lord taught us to pray.
and we do acknowledge that there are things that are hidden from us and it's hard for us at times. We wish they were revealed, but we know they wouldn't do us any good to know secret things, that you have revealed all that we need to know. All that we need to know to believe in you, all that we need to know to live a life that's pleasing in your sight. And help us to be contented with your will, to seek after it, and to seek to do your will faithfully. Um, It's our desire to do it as faithfully as we one day will do it in heaven. And so help us to pursue that end and give us the grace of your spirit to accomplish it. And hear us, we pray in in Jesus' name. Amen.